0: Hello and welcome to another comedian's interview for my blog and podcast, A Rich Comic Life. My name is Richard Gill and my blog describes my experiences of watching over 950 comedians over the last 46 years. I'm delighted to welcome today my guest, the wonderful Jen Smith. Yay! Yay!
1: Tell you what, there's, there's a laugh and an applause I haven't heard for a while. How are you, Richard Gill? I'm all right. How are you? I'm doing fine, my friend. I'm, I'm very. I'm so chuffed to be talking to you. I haven't seen you for ages.
0: No, no, no. It's been a while. Well, with everything going on, it's, it's been unreal. But thank mm. you so, so much for doing this. I'm ever so grateful. And um, we're going to talk about your comedy career for the next hour or so. I'd like to go right back to the start and ask you, how did you become a comedian in the first place?
1: Um, I I guess for me, it was a bit of a midlife crisis. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I'm sure that's not uncommon in the comedy world. But um, I got divorced and my ex-husband wasn't a terribly nice man. So I came out of that, like, not kind of really knowing who I was anymore. So I was trying all these, like, things to try and, like remember who I was I guess and I was trying all sorts of nonsense like I went pole dancing I was allergic to the pole I did roller derby a couple of girls smacked me into a wall you know you know it was and I just thought like my whole life I've loved comedy I've just I've just been obsessed with it and I've always been too scared to try it and I thought well now this is the point where we try something that you're absolutely terrified of and you just you, you i just went and did it i kind of went there was um a half day comedy course that funny women were running yeah. and that seemed like a nice gentle inroad to get into it and i thought that'd be all right wouldn't it a nice little gentle comedy thing <laughs> traveled up to london for a couple of hours for like a four-hour coach journey for a like two-hour session i think it was <laughs> uh, met vix layton that's yep. how i met my comedy sister yeah um, and then it was just like, at the end of it, I thought, I can do this. I, I think I can do it. And it's like, I've never believed in myself ever. And it was the first time I thought, let's just give it a bash Let's see wow. what happens.
0: Wow, that that is wonderful. And what year would this be?
1: Oh, wow. Now you're asking. I think, because it must have been, I think I did about a year's worth before everything shut down. So possibly 2018. Right, I think right. might must have been beginning of 2018 that it all started.
0: So, um, from your funny women competition that you that you went for, from that, did you do five minutes or so in pubs to get a good grounding, or in pub rooms with friends going along, or how did you keep the momentum going?
1: I think I knew early on that if I didn't keep doing it, I was going to be one of those other people that just went to one comedy course and then went, right, I've done that, it's checked off the list, done forever. And I knew that if I was A, going to get any better... Or be scare myself anymore and get more confidence. Then I was going to have to do some of it. So, like it was, it's actually strangely difficult. I found early on when you're just starting out in, say, places like Cardiff, which is where I was gigging, yeah. t- just to know where the places are because it seems almost impossible to track down gigs until you're actually in it. Yeah. When you're in it, you start learning the nights that are on and all that kind of stuff. But so I was like on all these blooming Facebook. Groups trying to work out when gigs were asking Aww. people if I could get five minutes, ten minutes, whatever. And yeah. Um, yeah, just like it was one of those things that really early on it felt like actually I'm half decent at this. I think I can go up there and present a story to somebody yeah. and I'm getting laughs about it. So it all feels pretty good. So I'm going to keep doing it for a bit.
0: Yeah. Um, you mentioned before uh, Vic Slayton, who's been a uh, guest on this as well on, on, mm-hmm. on, on the blog as well on, on the podcast I love um, her so much she, she is so so good and, and she's <laughs> doing ever so well like yourself, did you start together because she is in Wales as well or was she uh, ha- how did how did you know her? Did you just come across her on the comedy scene?
1: Or? It's like a rom-com, Rich, right? <laughs> so, literally, so both of us went to this half-day course as yeah. a kind of, like, scare ourselves, New Year resolution thing. This is why I know it was the beginning of the year. So, I saw a tweet that she'd sent, no, well, funny, funny women t- uh, tweeted about the then. The actual course. It was like yeah. so many tickets left, blah, blah, blah. Vix had responded to it and said, Oh, in a fit of New Year madness and scaring myself, I've signed up to this. And then I, for some reason, there's a bit in my brain, I never I never used to talk to strangers at all, but I was like, oh, me too, blah, 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 really, really excited for it. And then we just sort of went back and forth with a couple of tweets, discovered we both had Welsh backgrounds, and we were like, well, we're instantly friends now. And then Vix always says that what was nice about that is that she had someone to keep her accountable, so she couldn't drop out on the day, because someone knew she was going. And I think that wasn't a problem for me because i'd already booked a ridiculously expensive loads of travel but (laughs) it was just so nice to be going there knowing that already i knew a friendly face and then the second i saw her it was just like no hugging you we're besties now it's all fine i think
0: i I think that's it it's it's having somebody not not by your side but somebody supporting you Mm. through it all and and Plus, as well, the more that you do, the more experience you get of it. And 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 a lot of the comedians I talk to, it's the more you do, whether good or bad, you just have to oh, keep yeah. going and doing it. I think I think you have to have the difficult or the bad gigs to make yourself a better comedian. Oh, for no sure. Experience. Um, w- what was your first ever gig like? Then was it in a pub or was it the competition or? <clears throat>
1: ah i've I've forgotten what the surname is because it was a london pub it was after the funny women thing because they also do a thing called time of the month which is like you can go and do like um it's just like they get a speaker in or what have you for a bit and then afterwards you can sign up to do their open mic thing for like five minutes yeah and it was in the betsy something or other in london betsy trotswood that's what it was um yeah so it was in the Betsy trotswood um i went up and I was like I'm breaking it but we have to we have to break the back of it somehow had my little soprano ukulele which had no amplification so that was those days we didn't have an electric uke then Rich. Wow. <laughs> um, and it's quite sort of small room and I went up and I think it went right ish I made one misjudged joke about the age of consent which got a guy in the front row, right? He was like he was sort of gasping like an offended debutante. He was like, oh my goodness! Um, So I was like we'll probably strike that one. But other than that, I came off it and I thought I I can't believe how quickly that went. I can't believe how relatively well it went considering I've literally never done it before. And I just feel like I kind of want to do it again.
0: Brilliant! That that is great. You know, you know, I've had a go at stand-up comedy uh, before. Infamously, I've taught. Ta- in yeah. And I uh, I uh, um, went on a gong show. Which, I can't uh, believe you did a gong or, show. Like, the, I still
1: won't do a gong show. They terrify me. I was
0: at I was at the Edinburgh Festival, and I, and I knew the um, promoter who does the Free Fringe at the time. As many more, cause I'll tell you the story. <laughs> I, that, I, I went up and I, and I said oh, I need to get this out my system Pe- people think I'm quite funny in pubs and oh yeah yeah the usual and all the rest of it and he said well I can put you on the on on a gong show which is o- full of uh, old w- old people in the audience couldn't be worse right so it was a Monday afternoon rainy Monday afternoon at Edinburgh and I walked out on uh, onto the stage there was three people in the crowd there was an old bloke sitting at the back and I walked out and I said, um, oh, good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. People think I look like Eddie the Eagle Edwards, the <coughs> speed jumper, but I can't see the resemblance of myself. And of course I'm his double. And this bloke <laughs> at the back just went, fuck off and gung me off after about 30 seconds.
1: Wow.
0: <laughs> so the promoters on the side going, do it again, have another go. So I walked back out and had another go. Same thing happened and I said, I don't know whether I'll I'll ever do this again. Never say never oh, again. Rich. But I will support them forevermore. I'm much suited for the audience, <laughs> <laughs> and that's how the blog started. So you have my absolute. Um, uh, uh, support for doing what you do you really do um,
1: but that's a classic opener isn't it getting <laughs> up and making a comment on your appearance exactly. all the comedians do that
0: <laughs> i thought i thought that's a fail safe but i, but I don't know yeah i don't even <laughs> knew who he was anyway <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, yeah maybe your reference points were out yeah. <laughs> then, that was the problem
0: <laughs> so it, was, it was ridiculous Um, (laughs) Have you ever found it difficult breaking through into comedy, have you you ever not wanted to do it, have you ever thought this is not for me because what what is wonderful from what you're saying is you were confident from the start or you felt as though you could do it. Was there there ever a point where you thought this might be a bit more difficult than I thought?
1: I, I never think I can do it, Rich. I've, I've, I've got an entire lifetime of underestimating myself and thinking that I'm rubbish. Um, but it's like, I think I've been very, very fortunate in that when I tried to start doing it, it was an environment where people were a little bit more willing to hear from people who were cis, straight, white dudes anymore. Yeah. Um, certainly the ones that are still out there with respect to some of you you're all doing the same material please stop it um, <laughs> but it's like I got very very lucky that the people the friends that I made in that sort of community and certainly people like Vix and what have you there are so many women in particular that are so willing to boost each other up give each other opportunities um, and you know it's not all been women sort of when I was doing all the Cardiff gigging, There are so many sort of straight white men that are running nights and we're just like, yeah, you know, we really like the stuff that you do. Please come and give us 10 or what have you. Um, And I think it's just, it's really nice that I came into it at a time, I think, where I'm not saying it's perfect because there are still issues with it but it came into it at a time when people more, were more willing to hear slightly more diverse voices than they had done before. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've come across certain of the comics while I've been on the circuit which are, p- are people who are so disrespectful. Um, if you are anything if you are anything other than a say cis, straight white man then you know they'll talk during your set they'll nudge each other on one occasion someone was banging a crisp packet and you're just mm-hmm. thinking mate it's ten minutes. Yeah, Can you yeah. maybe give me ten minutes? Yeah, yeah. But I mean, generally speaking, it just seems to be going in the right direction. I think everyone's kind of bored of the same material now, yeah, so I people want to hear stuff that's yeah. different.
0: Yeah. Um. Uh. My my answer to that is, um, if you're funny, you're funny. There are loads mm. of, thank God, now uh, uh, female comedians. There should always have been. There were so many. Oh yeah um that I that I grew up with um mm-hmm. uh and um we're not we're obvious when I go to a comedy club I'm not there to hear the crowd I haven't paid my money to see them I'm there to hear the, com- <laughs> I'm there to hear the comedian there was yeah. a, the, the, there was a classic um story um where there was a comedian on stage Ricky Grover at, at Headliners comedy okay. club in Chiswick and um uh, there was a real nasty heckler in the front row and he was about a quarter of the way through his set And he said he, he, all of a sudden he said just hang on a minute ladies and gentlemen, and he stopped the set jumped down threw him out And then when he came back on He came back on to the theme from Rocky, because he (laughs) used to be a boxer. (laughs) So when he came back on, the audience were like practically giving him a standing ovation, (laughs) so he couldn't go wrong. And it it was just the perfect turnaround to what could have been a very difficult situation. And I think you're right. I think there were many a time, very sadly when uh i used to be watching comedy where there was hecklers in the audience and they weren't there for the comedians they were there just to disrupt the night and it and, and it's completely wrong I think, mm-hmm. you know so um i i totally totally agree um what do you like to talk and sing about on stage? You're a, you're a musical comedian. Do you have um, any themes or do you have any um, recurring ideas that you, that you have on stage?
1: I think for me, like my brain just is idiotic and it it gets me into a lot of trouble. So like most of my stuff is all, it's either opinions or it's true stuff that has happened to me. Um, I did did a comedy store course in the sort of first year that I was doing stand up and there was a point where Mike Gunn, who was running it, was just like... make some shit up and it was like I was I really struggled to make shit up because I was like nothing I can make up is as daft as the like trouble I get myself into because I've got this thing where like I have to try new stuff all the time I've got no attention span whatsoever (laughs) the reason I had so many hobbies after I got divorced is because like I'll pick one up try it go and I'm out and get to the next one I've got more like sporting accoutrements I've got roller skates, I've got skateboards I've got, I've got drums that I can't even play, I've got all sorts of stuff just stocked up where I've tried something so it's just like for me, I think I've, there's a lot of humour in just exploring the kind of lunacy of my own life right. and you know I'm a different person than I was because of that divorce and I think a lot of that comes out in it yeah. I mean I found a lot of humour in the fact that I wasn't the first person that my husband turned into liking women. So oh, <laughs> it's like okay. I, I just thought, you know, he's he's got a bit of a he's got he's got a habit at this point. He's just turning all his exes into liking women. Um, so it's, it's just a lot of it is just silly, silly things yeah, like. Yeah. you know you've heard the greg davis song i love that man so much and it was that he's the reason i learned the ukulele in the first place because i was like i could write a song about greg davis how am i gonna sing a song about greg davis on stage i know i'll learn the ukulele that's how my brain works it's nonsense
0: brilliant the 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 wonderful thing about your act is as well you have the prop uh, the 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 ukulele is the prop (laughs) So um, I always think if a comedian's got a prop, they can always not not end up doing a song, but finish with a great song, and that's what you love, do. That's, love that's what love ending on a song in spades. You really do. In fact, moving on to the next question, <laughs> I described you as the Welsh Victoria Wood you did and I've never I forgotten still, that I still stand by that because <laughs> because because when I saw you perform at the Musical Comedy Awards in 2020 <sighs> I sat there and I thought you've got it in the bag that was criminal that you did not that <laughs> um Describe what you were going through and and that competition and and what is your view of competitions because you mentioned funny women as well. Do you think they're good things? Do you think they help a comedian?
1: I think they're really helpful in the beginning, especially if you're too scared to do stuff, because they make you, like, they give you a goal to aim towards. Like, so for the MCAs, the strange thing for us is um, there's a comedy writing partner I write with quite a lot called Chris Rio, who, again, haven't seen for ages because of lockdown. Now, he got into the MCA's finalists. He got into the final. Um, But it's like for that whole year the pair of us were pretty much aiming towards so you think you're funny it was like everything we write everything we practice all the stuff we're honing the goal for this material is so you think you're funny and then in the sort of middle of that we discovered the mcas and we were both like we do musical comedy should we go for that too (laughs) and it just it felt like a bit of a silly jolly thing for us but and we had a really good time and it was like we went up there. You know, I got interviewed by Jay Foreman, which is a podcast that's never seen the light of day. (laughs) Um, but it was just, it was nice to go up there. I'm relatively sure it gave me COVID (laughs)
0: Oh
1: (laughs) because it was the end of February when no one knew what was happening. We didn't know that was a thing. I got home. I was incredibly ill at the beginning of March. Like it was clearly COVID and it's like we were all hugging and kissing each other. (laughs) We were all in the same room. So I reckon that's where that came from. But it was just, it was nice to go up there and have, like, this proper thing. And you were coming into contact with all these, like, musical comedians that you knew of. Like, I know Jay Foreman. And, you know, we went and had a drink together afterwards. And it's like, it's just nice to have that kind of community aspect, I guess. Very much so, Um, But it's it's like I'm saying in terms of, if you're new especially, I think doing them just gives you, like, something to aim for. Mm. Um, I, I don't know whether I'll do as many going forward i think because for me so you think you're funny was such a huge goal for so long that i've just done one heat of it now um we're waiting to hear whether or not we get through to the next one and because because that was like my ultimate goal i don't know what you do once that's over where do you go
0: (laughs) keep going keep going (laughs) Yeah, I, i mean talking of covid i i um I I was sitting on the front row, Always Be Comedy, in March when it um, hit. Mm. And uh, I was laughing so hard at uh, Charlie Baker and Tom Allen, who were the guests on the night. And I suddenly burst out coughing. And they're like oh my god and i had to leave and the next two weeks i caught it and it was awful and are I- you
1: patient zero is this what we're discovering
0: <laughs> well i got it early on thank god like you said and, and you know so i've been vaccinated and all of now but um yeah, awful <laughs> awful time we'll, we'll 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 come on to that in a while um mm whenever I've seen you on stage and I've seen you at uh, a a few times you always appear very confident when you start your act when you when you do your act do you suffer from any nerves beforehand uh, before you go on stage and if so how do you deal with them
1: I mean, I still get a bit of a wobble. I yeah. think it's natural to yeah. get a wobble. Like I, like I stream a lot now, right. and I, I still sort of get a little bit of that. Like, ooh we're doing the live thing very shortly. <laughs> um, but I think for me, very, very early on, I read a book. Um, oh god, I wish I could remember which one it was remember, but um, basically there was some advice in it about um, how if you reframe it pretty much. So it's not nerves, it's adrenaline. And it's like all those things that you're feeling is just your body getting ready to do a thing. So all the shakiness, all the sort of feeling a bit wobbly, that's literally just your body getting into this like alert Thing. I mean, I've still got a nip to the loo every time before I go on stage because I'm, I'm just like, oh my God, I'm so nervous. But then I sort of, I just have to kind of like talk to myself and go, look, it's just adrenaline. It's all fine. Brilliant. If you want to freak out afterwards, you can freak out afterwards, but not right now.
0: <laughs> that, that is great because whenever I go to a comedy show, I always give my absolute all as a member of the audience it's very very rare very rare that i sit in silence i'm, I'm mm. either rocking or laughing loudly or or, or, or whatever because i'm having such a great time and i feel like that straight after the comedy i feel as i'm coming down because my adrenaline yeah. has gone up because i've enjoyed myself so much
1: 100 percent. Yeah. you're probably going through exactly the same thing yeah, where yeah, it's yeah. just like you're all hyped up to get involved
0: yeah 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 yeah, yeah. um how do you approach writing a comic song? Do the words come first or the music?
1: Mmm, that's an interesting one. I think it's a little bit of both really. Yeah. I like I frequently play about with like chord progressions that I like. So I've I'll like now and again I'll write down something in my book and go, right, I really like that chord progression. And maybe I can do something with that at some later point. And normally I'll then have a little think about any ideas I've got for songs and try and pair the two. But sometimes I'm also just like when I wrote the Greg song, for example, it was like there were certain because I couldn't even play the uke when I started writing the Greg song. So it's the ideal, it's the ideal sort of example. Where I was just thinking of stupid, funny, rhyming pairs of things that I could put in sentences and stuff that described him and shows he was in and all this kind of stuff. And then it was after I'd written sort of a first, I'd probably written three or four verses of it. When I was then learning the ukulele, I was starting pairing it to stuff and it was just kind of evolving as it went along. So as the music sort of came in, it did change how some of the sort of wording went and all that kind of stuff and they just they kind of, it's a really nice sort of harmony between the two i think yeah, i, I yeah. there's never one that starts over the other it's more i get an idea for something and think right i'm gonna write a song about this and then maybe i'll start mucking about on the uke maybe i'll write a, a sentence and then yeah. they just kind of work together quite nicely
0: what's what's interesting is that um you tend not to um base the lyrics um, write new lyrics over current songs, where where some of the musical comedians do. You, it's it's a whole new mm. whole thing, if, if 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 you like. So 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 you spend time writing the music and the lyrics as well. It's 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 wonderful to say. This this is no reflection
1: on the comics that do that, right? No. But I'm not a, as big a fan of it because it feels like it's cheating to me. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, look, you've got to write your own chords, Lance. Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: <laughs> when i when i um again i'm 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 talking about always be comedy because it's the main one i go to (laughs) when i sit on the front row there um sometimes they get me up uh singing uh uh uh, hit songs so so um i'll i'll stand up and the compare will go what are you going to sing tonight and i'll murder a song to get the audience going and and that's the whole point i can't sing a note Mm -hmm. so you've got my utmost respect there as well because it it must be daunting to to go out there and play as well as entertain with the jokes as well do you find that or do you do you find having the songs a, a good ammunition a good release um, I find
1: the songs are a little bit like my safety net, in a way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. um so it's like, like I know that all the songs that the have got, I've, I've tested them, have tested them that they work. that where bits didn't work. did where work, i not work, i to rewrite them to rewrite them work. make them work. know... so I know you know, you can't forget, I say you can't forget the song, I did once forget the song. Halfway through. (laughs) But I started again, and this is what I always loved about live comedy, is when I forgot the song, I stopped halfway through and went, oh my god, my mind's gone completely blank. I was totally honest with the audience and said, I'm going to start again. So then when I started again, I hit the punchline that I'd missed, and then I just went, see, told you it was worth it, and (laughs) they all laughed. (laughs) So it's like, you could make a whole other thing with it. Oh, that's brilliant. but, yeah, it's like... I think it, I just like having them on hand. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I probably do less of it now streaming because it's not as easy, I find. I mean, I found it really wild in, in the So You Think You're Funny um, thing. I did play a song for that as well. Yeah. And normally in a live room, but, you know, the Ukes Amped, um, I'm singing... Your voice will tend to dry up a little bit with all again, with all the adrenaline, it just kinda goes. And I found that because So You Think You're Funny, my voice was so clear because of the mic setup. It was like you could hear all the dryness. And I was thinking normally normally this would be hidden. We wouldn't be hearing this, would we? But bloody technology <laughs>
0: Because you know the song so well, you know every little note mm. of it. You're thinking, oh, no, no, no they can hear that. I <laughs> could hear it.
1: And I was just thinking, it's <laughs> probably they won't. But in my head, it's going, this sounds awful. Oh, it sounds sound like I can't sing. I'm sure I can sing. Have I forgotten how to sing a lockdown? <laughs> wow. <laughs> what is,
0: what is um, brilliant about that was, um, other than um, this blog, uh, uh, the most creative mm. thing I've ever done, was uh, write a play, uh, um, uh, which is a is a half hour play called The Applicant, and I wrote it, I wrote it for the Edinburgh Fringe. I haven't no. take, I haven't taken it up there yet, but I did perform it with my mate uh, at, uh, in a theatre in London, a little tiny pub in London, and we we put it on for comic relief, and, and we got over oh. two and a half grand for it. It was it was amazing. Wow. And basically the story is, it's basically me. I, uh, the the main character is from Carlisle. He comes down to London, he's got a very successful girlfriend and he can't get a job. He's never had an interview in his life. So each each scene is him uh, going for his first interview and it works up to the one where he gets given a job. And there's loads of plot twists and everything, but when he gets given the job, the interviewer kills him <laughs> <laughs> and, the, and the last the last scene is him at the gates of heaven or hell or whatever and and he gets in oh and he says we've been watching you on planet earth and we think you'll be ideal interviewing corpses for to go to heaven or hell and i <laughs> shrug my shoulders and end up oh, right so each scene is <laughs> monologue, interview, monologue, interview. And my mate, who's very good at accents, played all the interviewers, and I was the, the chap who obviously- Amazing. The interview. So across these monologues, I I'd written the bloody thing, right? And we rehearsed it for 10 weeks. First night we did it, I ran out, and I had to get the audience, because I'm terrified, and I start chatting to the audience. And I forget the monologue. <laughs> <laughs> so I just blurt out words and I'm like what is going on here oh my god and as soon as he came on it's a bit like you with the guitar the ukulele as soon as the other person came on we were fine and I learned a lesson mm-hmm. that night because I never made a mistake again it's it's fascinating yeah. what what, uh, what 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 it what, what it is but um, yeah so um, hopefully I will, it's, it's up there the poster I will um, uh, ri- uh, um Rejuvenate human beings hopefully, hopefully, we are it. entirely it extra- fallible <laughs> i was i was like a rabbit in headlights i was terrified
1: <laughs> but it, it, i think it's the adrenaline thing yeah, again it's again. just like because your body's so focused on all the other stuff like yeah. getting you hype and getting your blood pumping all the rest of it it's like sometimes your brain just goes no i haven't <laughs> got the capacity for that do something else yeah
0: it is but 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 it was a lesson learned because mm-hmm. um uh I knew what the atmosphere was then like, and I could go and do it again. You know, yeah, yeah. It, again, it's all experience. Mm-hmm. Um, I've also seen you, as I say, perform uh, for for Vix Layton live at Limehouse and the Piccadilly shows in London that you did. Um, can you describe more about your writing process for your comic routines as well as your songs and where you get your ideas from? <laughs>
1: Um, I'll be honest, I'm very much uh <laughs> I'm not great at sitting down and just writing stuff. I'm really not. Um, so <laughs> I once saw James A. Castor talk about how he literally just goes on stage with a gem of an idea and talks about it for a bit. I'm not that far because I I do like to be a bit prepared. But it's more like I'll have a think about an idea. So something I did for So You Think Are Funny. I had an incident where I got on a tube, obviously pre-COVID, but I got on a tube and a woman basically accused me of being pregnant and tried to offer me her seat. And I'm like, right, I want to say something about that because I think there's some humour in it about this confrontation that we could have had. Um, So it was like I kind of sat down and I put some sort of pieces together and then what I might do is I might record myself doing it into video and see what comes out there and then I'll watch that back and go, right, well... I like that bit. I think that bit adds nothing. Ditch that. And then I might do it again a couple of times. And then, I mean, it's been tougher during lockdown, but then at that point, normally I would like to go out and do it live and just see whether it works or not. Because sometimes you just don't know until you try it properly. You can't always know
0: do you have um notes on your hand you take a notebook with you if it's new material
1: it's like a that? notebook for me yeah. i mean i i tried the whole hand thing yeah. i think there was an aspect of it that a i didn't like it because i think it made me look like an amateur yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like yeah. You, you don't see them on live at the apollo with writing on their hands do you um but i take my notebook and i tend to give it like a bit of a pass through before i go on like i know i work out what the order is first and so I know roughly when I'm on Um, I'll give it a good read through make sure in my head I know roughly what the thing is Um, I tend to write down like a a points list of right that's the first joke just one word another word there that's it leads on to that bit about women it leads on to that bit there about tube story Um, and then if it's possible then I'll have it on like a stool or something near me just so that if I totally go blank I can go over and look at it but generally speaking I try not to because I just think You've you've got to you've got to break the apron strings at some point, haven't you?
0: Exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. But 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 it's a good way of doing it because again, you've got a, a, a thing there if. if, mm. if if you should go blank which is highly unlikely but it's like another piece of ammunition (laughs) Um,
1: but like i do find the biggest tip i could give anybody is if you can condense your jokes into one word and just do a list of those words it'll help you out so much because your brain will be able to remember that one word and then it can kind of extrapolate that into what you were trying to say
0: yeah yeah i should i should have done that with my play
1: you should have done that with your play. It would have been a very long list, though, Rich, depending on how long this play was.
0: <laughs> and uh, and when you say about James Acaster, there's a there's, mm. a there's a testimonials page on my blog, and I, and I think he's one of the best comedians going because he can just take a word and run with him so and it. So good. And he and he 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 did a testimonial for me, and he, and he uh, he put if I wasn't a comedian. I would happily sit next to Richard Gill all day and make him laugh (laughs) I mean Jesus <laughs> is that, you know? so I said well Aww. anytime that's
1: great um, I talked about Acaster literally this week because oh, where yeah. I work as a day job they've got a really bad habit of saying like he slash she and it really does my head in because it's so easy to just say they yeah. so I've literally sent to everyone I work with pretty much the clip of James Acaster going he or she and it's like <laughs> said by said by men who forget that she existed but they're like you didn't can't catch me I got it in <laughs> And then he goes. Um, there's this. There's this other word that women use. Men don't know this word exists. That word is they. <laughs> <laughs> and every time I watch it, I'm just like, yes, yes, James.
0: <laughs> exactly. He is speaks he,
1: to me on a deep level. <laughs> <laughs> he's,
0: he's 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 one of the best current ones. By he's man. great. Um, so good. This is what I love as well. Uh, you, you've written a sketch that's appeared in a BBC comedy series, Welcome Strangers. I know. How
1: did I that know. come about?
0: And congratulations. <laughs>
1: Thank you. I, it, unbelievable, isn't it? It's not. Um,
0: it's deserved.
1: But. <laughs> it's like, I think it's what I touched on earlier, really, about the fact that there are so many women in particular willing willing to boost other women up, yeah. and it's been wonderful. So that, Welcome Strangers, is co-produced by a wonderful Cardiff comedian called Sarah Breeze, right. who is somebody who I met on the circuit. And again, it's just one of those things we kind of bonded. We're all We're doing the same thing what have you she's such a brilliant comedian and she's done so much good stuff as well and she kind of just approached me one day said look we're we're right in series two do you fancy trying a sketch for us just pitching one so i pitched the one about (laughs) it was two girlfriends who discovered a genie in a lamp but the genie uh basically can't he's he's stuck in the sort of mining pass because it's a mining lamp so it's an old world mining <laughs> lamp and he's like he said oh i think i can get you two hours off on a saturday if that's what you want i'll get you a matlock do you want a matlock <laughs> um so yeah it was like and it's just it was unreal because she said they had to like we had like a writer's room as well which yeah. was really nice over zoom Just to everyone to sort of talk to each other. If we had ideas, we could talk about them. And then they had some pictures of the BBC. They didn't know which ones were going to make through to series two. And then they told me that that one had made it to series two, which was lovely. And I think they've got a third series coming out soon. Are you doing Um, more? I, I did write one, but to be, uh, it was very similar from from what one they'd already had, I oh, think. Right. So it was, it was something about um, a, a thief that was coming around and pickpocketing people's emotions. I like <laughs> that. That's a great topic. But I think there's a, probably a similar one <laughs> on the way.
0: Wow. Um, what to date has been your comic highlight
1: Hmm. Well, I mean, being on the BBC was nice because it was recorded by, you know, brilliant Welsh comics and also my parents, not the BBC is. So that's something. But I think for me, one of the biggest ones and still sticks with me is when I did the comedy store course, it was like a sort of six week commute every Sunday, four hours on a megabus, four hours back. Fantastic. Um and ridiculous, But our showcase that we did, we performed in the comedy store. Wow. And it was to like, I think it was 200 people in wow. the end, two or 300. And just the fact that, you know, it was in this iconic comedy store that yeah. has always meant something to me. It was yeah. such a huge deal. Um, and it was like... I was in their green room, I was with other people, Mike Gunn was in the dressing room with us, he was doing our intro, a great comedian and a really, really nice guy. And then to have to step out onto this, you know, iconic stage and perform my own material to like 200 people, it was like, so special. Like, I'll never, ever forget it. I've still got, like, the ticket and some photos from the night and stuff, like, in a frame, because, like, you're never forgetting that. That (laughs) happened. Wow.
0: I've been down in London 30 years this year. Wow. uh, I first came down in 1992. But my brother lived here through the late 80s. And um, the first time I ever went to the comedy store was 1988. And the first bill I saw was... um, Richard Morton was comparing. Steve Gribbin was on. Linda Smith was on. Hattie Hayridge. You're talking about female comedians. Yeah, yeah. Fantastic. God bless Linda Smith. She was just phenomenal. And mm-hmm. the and the top of the bill uh, was a comedian called Charles Fleischer. Who was this nutter with voices and and a, and, a, and a weird facial expressions? And he was never heard of again because he went to Hollywood and he voiced Roger <gasps> Rabbit.
1: Oh my God!
0: <laughs> and I thought, thank God I've seen
1: him. He was. <laughs> <laughs> that was a once-in-a-lifetime yeah, opportunity, yeah. wasn't it?
0: And uh, they comedy star. I go once every two months it's just the the purpose-built famous oh, comedy club in both London. It's just and so special and, and you film. know you
1: walk through the door and they've got all these posters up of yeah, like yeah. famous comics or yeah. signed and all yeah, this and you yeah, walk yeah, and you think it feels film. historic you know.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, following on from that who are your favorite comedians past and present?
1: I've got quite a few I think I was Try and narrow it down a bit. Um, The obvious one, we all know, and I'm sorry to mention it, because I know it's boring, but Greg Davis... Of course, it's
0: not boring at all. He's he's hilarious.
1: I love, honestly, I love him so... If I'm honest, I think he's the whole reason I decided to give it a shot in the first place. In in fact, I know he was, because, like, I love him so much, and I fell across this YouTube video where he was talking about how he got into it, and he said that he did Logan Murray's course and all this kind of stuff now... I'm not as rich as Greg. I couldn't afford Logan Murray's course, but the fact that he just sort of said, "Look, just go and do a thing, see what happens," and I was like, "You know what? Maybe I can." Um, and I think also for me, like, because he own- uh, he talks about his own life stories, like. I mean, when, one, of the, one of the exercises that you can do when you're a new comic that helps you is if you write down somebody's set, right, and see where the laughs are and all that kind of stuff. I once wrote, wrote down one of his sets, and it was one story that lasted for 11 minutes. Wow. <laughs> um And I think just from doing all of that stuff, I thought, look, this guy just goes up and basically tells his own stories and makes them funny. And he's like one of the funniest people that I know, I mean, and it's... You can do it yourself. Um, I think I also really love, in terms of dealing with hecklers, I once was on a bill with Sarah Keyworth and there were these basically drunk people in the background who wouldn't stop wouldn't shut up because she's meant to do 20 minutes and it got whittled down to nothing because they just wouldn't shut up and she was just so dry in how she dealt with them and so completely just like deadpan i was in pieces and there was a point where because basically this woman was like had something to do with the pub and um the the she said something like uh, sarah said oh there's uh, your your wallpaper this wallpaper's a bit drab isn't it and the woman went it's vintage you can't, you can't it's, a, it's a protected building you can't do anything and sarah went you got a you got a tv hanging up there <laughs> oh, so brilliant. she was just so like deadpan and brilliant Jeez, i loved her she Um, others I would say Daniel Sloss I think is great Uh, he's got a wonderful piece about dealing with keeping your friends accountable for like sexual assault and stuff where it's a masterpiece to watch because it's so so serious and he builds in so much tension and then he just completely breaks it with a punchline (laughs) <laughs> and it makes it, like, extra funny. And then I'd say also Hannah Gasby and Tig Notaro yeah, for yeah, yeah. similar reasons. Just, yeah. just I think I really admire that ability of some comedians to tackle really heavy subjects. Because, I mean, I'm quite light and fluffy, really, and, like, I'm, I'm taking the mic out myself most of the time. But the idea that you can do something that's so deep and dark and then at the end just go, no, I've made it incredibly funny now.
0: Very much so, yeah. 100% behind you. I totally agree.
1: I mean, Greg's done something similar yeah, when he tells yeah. that story about the woman who basically chases him through a house with bloody stumps for hands and essentially sexually assaults him. But he makes that funny somehow. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, okay, yeah.
0: sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. you too right. Yeah, 100%. I think, I think the wonderful thing is that you're speaking in a public area and if you want to get your point across particularly what's what I find about you is that you're very endearing and very warm on stage so you get the audience straight away and therefore you say to you, you must say to yourself right I can say what I want here because this crowd are really mm-hmm. with me, you know um and, and I've, I've always thought that every, every time I've seen you and through the comedians that you've mentioned, I think they're exactly the same. They're, they're unafraid for us yeah. to talk about what they want to talk about on stage.
1: You're very kind, Rich. <laughs> it's
0: true, it's true, honestly. Um, the first comedian I ever saw, I was seven, I, uh, and it, I was on a family holiday in Scarborough and we went to see Les Dawson. Mm. And uh, he uh, was is in my top five comedians. I've never laughed so hard, uh, and and it was universal. And a year later, I then went to see Tom. We then went to see Tommy Cooper, and he okay. he's he the curtains opened. He's lying on a bed. And <laughs> there's, there's nothing happens, and he's lying on a bed, and one woman in the audience trickles round with laughter, and everybody in the crowd audience is laughing and the perfect time, and he pops his head up and he goes, what, what, somebody come on. <laughs> 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 and that was, that's just magic, you know, with with Eric Morecambe and Ernie Wise, um... the, the glasses or the fares or anything. And, um, uh, I first I first saw them and then I moved into the eighties with the alternative comedians. I saw French and Saunders. I saw (sighs) Brand. You've talking about uh, women. So influential on me those three. This is extraordinary. Why haven't the women comedians come along earlier on? Because Mm. they were extremely influential. And then I saw Victoria Wood, and there was the comparison with you. You know, I uh, you can't compare something unless you've seen it live i saw her in carlisle which is my <laughs> home city where she just took the mickey out of carlisle throughout the entire <laughs> show she didn't have a clue where it was um, and then i saw her again uh, at the at the uh, royal albert hall and it was wow. an extraordinary experience because she had a massive audience um and god rest her soul it was so, it was so awful when she passed on because what she could have done you know she 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 uh, she she was extraordinary um,
1: we well, still cite her now she's like yeah. she's so in, influential and yeah. so incredible some of the stuff she says
0: yeah 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 very much so following on from that and um, like me uh, <laughs> do you go to a lot of uh, gigs as a uh, comedy gigs as a member of the audience
1: so many. I mean, before lockdown, it was just like I'm like you. I just I love it. I could just absorb it in my soul, which is why it called to me in terms of actually doing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like you know, I had I had many years of being told I was rubbish and useless and not funny. So that's why I never tried it before. But then when I kind of explored it, it was just so wonderful to be a part of. Um, so, like, the, the only reason I found out about the comedy store course that they were running is that I had to stay overnight in London for work. And I was like, right, I'm going to treat myself. We're going to go to the comedy store. I went to go watch the comedy store players what, doing their yeah, improv yeah, stuff. Yeah. And there was there was literally a poster in the toilet about Mike Gunn running this course. And I was <laughs> like, oh, okay, maybe. But absolutely. I, I used to go to the horn section was my, like, yearly... Aww. Um, Pilgrimage, whenever they came to Cardiff. I'd always used to go see the horn section.
0: What an act. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: They're so great. They had... The last time I went, it must have been literally before lockdown happened, um, they had in their interval, they played that song, that how long has this been going on? That one. But it kept repeating the line, and I didn't (laughs) realise, but I'd gone on my own, so I was chatting to the people (laughs) next to me, because that's just who I am as a person, and all of a sudden one of them goes... It's repeating, went, oh my god, it is! And then now and again, it would play it like another line, and then it would come back to the how long has this been going on just repeated. And then when they came back from the interval, Alex Horn went and said something like 11 minutes 52 seconds that's how long this has been going on.
0: That's fantastic! That's that, so wonderful. That, that reminds me of um, I was, I was extremely lucky to have as a guest on my. On, on this uh, podcast, Barry Cryer, um, I'm manager who's eighty-six <laughs> and, and he's written, written for absolutely everybody. It was an honour to talk to him. And uh, I said to him whenever I go to the Edinburgh fringe and you're and you, and, and you're there with Ronnie Golden, he has Ronnie Golden on the guitar and he does the comedy and the songs and everything. They do mm-hmm. a similar thing called Peace and Quiet which starts (laughs) off very quietly and then is extremely loud and i'm thinking he's getting louder and louder louder." (laughs) it's a similar thing
1: you know the the horn section of also have you ever heard less is more because that's incredible (laughs) where it's just like it starts off with nothing and they talk about less is more and then it just builds into this like choir and singing and all sorts of stuff have
0: you have you ever been to the edinburgh fringe
1: I haven't, no. I was literally, because obviously Vix was going to run a show there before it all shut down. That was going to be my first ever Fringe, and I thought I'll go up with her, support her, do some leafleting, whatever, maybe try and get on some open spots, but just see what it was about.
0: Next year, I will see you there you absolutely will definitely because that's my holiday i I might be living
1: there by next year (laughs) i'm I'm very very tempted to move to scotland genuinely it's like researching
0: yeah (laughs) i mean i mean i go there for a week and i see 50 shows and by the end of it i need a holiday (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
1: <laughs> that feels like heaven to me it's, really,
0: it's just the best because i know vix
1: said she once went with somebody who like didn't understand how like serious vix was gonna take it which was like right this show this show this show oh, this show I-, I was like no no no, you sign me up i will walk all day to watch comedy it's fine
0: i have i have a load of friends come up with me <laughs> and I like to meet the comedians afterwards. I've got a friend who's my official photographer. <laughs> and I, I, it's true. I, and, I, and I've got. Um, uh, I do a spreadsheet, detailed little spreadsheet of all the shows, all the times, and everything. And then oh my go, god! Oh yeah, we're up, we're up. It's the best thing. the, the Edinburgh Festival, Edinburgh Fringe guide. Always reminds me of the Christmas Radio Times, which is like uh-huh. the of the year. When you just procedently turn it over and you think, "You are
1: adorable," <laughs> like the Radio Times.
0: <laughs> it is. It is. It is. It is. Um, uh, how have you found online gigs as opposed to live gigs? It's been, it's been a, a very, very strange time. Have you, have you, have you Man. done many online gigs? Uh, and what do you think is the future of live comedy?
1: In terms of the future, I wouldn't be surprised at all if there's a bit more of, like, a hybrid mixed thing about it. Because yeah. um, you you don't get the same atmosphere on Zoom that you do in a live audience. So, like, I'm fine with watching them. Um, yeah. I think I really struggle to do material on them because yeah. I think it, it throws all your timings out. So, like, I was getting laughs on So You Think You're Funny, but because I wasn't expecting laughs because it's Zoom... <laughs> Like, I think I stamped all over some of the laughs because it was like, right, I've got, I've got my seven minutes. I've just got seven <laughs> minutes. And also, I don't know whether any of this works because, like, the vast majority of it was new anyway, which was a surprising thing in itself because this was all meant to be tested before this <laughs> happened. Um, like, I like going to them, I think. Um, I did, I found what I found really interesting is I went to one that Greg Davis was on and he didn't do any material at all. He just basically, it was like he was being interviewed. He went there and he just told a silly story. Yeah, yeah. And for some reason that works really well, because I guess it's like a conversational thing and you're talking to somebody. Yeah, sure, yeah. Um, I don't know. I think comics in particular are probably going to want to, going to be craving to get back to live gigs just because of that aspect of getting, bouncing off the atmosphere of the audience. You can play with them a little bit more. You can see whether stuff works or not. But what I do think is nice is is, it's the whole thing, it's like working from home I think it's opened it up to people who couldn't necessarily go before so if you can't get out of your house and go to a live comedy gig maybe you can't go to a late night show because they're all late nights at least now, if they have a kind of blended approach to it where you can either be there or you can watch online it's more money for the actual art so that's something and also it just opens it up a little bit more I think to some people
0: I t- I totally agree with you. Uh, my my view is um, uh, without online comedy, uh, I don't know how I'd have got through the eighteen months because yeah. I needed something. Hundred percent. I'd have just gone, gone balmy looking at uh, 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 sitting in my room. But um, so it's it's a very very good substitute. Mm. But, but when they started off, there was no audio, so no. so there was no crowd or anything like that so i would sit here literally laughing at four walls and i thought yeah taken away
1: (laughs) some some people are so reserved as well on zoom gigs even when the audio is there people don't want to laugh in their own homes but i mean weirdly i will say that's kind of where twitch came in for me because it's like even though i can't hear them they can still interact with me so they yeah. can, they can be in the chat, and we can build up friendships and stuff. And like, I can make jokes with them. Very and so. in terms of you're saying online comedy saved you, Twitch absolutely saved me. Yeah. Cause I, like yeah. overnight I lost a community of people that were all into stand up, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Ex- we just had yeah, nothing to do. And criminal. to replace it with a different community of people who were there just to have a laugh yeah, has yeah, meant yeah. everything in lockdown.
0: Very much so. Well, well, when when they opened it up, when they opened the audio up, they had they had like virtual front rows, so I'd always try and get yeah. on them, and you could talk, you could chat to the comedians, the comics, who were willing to do it, were very good with the timing of the jokes, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah. So again, I would go to always be comedy online, but I'd also go to. Um, sean james's uh happy mondays night online and i'd go to charlotte regan's irish one which was brilliant online um, the, the return of the Craig. So so or the Crack, I don't call it Craig any,
1: any Did you ever do um Covid Arms? Yeah yeah can yeah Pritchard McLean's yeah, yeah, that yeah, was she, that I went to one of those. Those were really good. She is superb. Yeah. She's great. Um, uh,
0: and so they are for, for what they are, when they're done well, they are done yeah, they are really good. But for me it cannot beat live comedy. I mean because it's an oh, energy it's the moment and, and you know, you never know what's going to happen. And I love to go out on a Saturday night and have a few beers yeah. and a meal and loads of friends and then go and sit in my seat and go, right, entertain me. <clears throat> and I, ju- I just love it I, I, and please it's, please it's the it. energy
1: for me entirely because yeah, yeah. you know especially where because my, my material isn't exactly kiddie friendly but if there was ever <laughs> kids in the audience i always always used to have a joke but i used to t- i used to tell them a joke about pokemon go and then I'd go there you go that's for you and then just move on <laughs> and it's like i can't do that in zoom because i can't interact with you and i can't give you a joke specifically yeah. for you because i can't see you <laughs> you know it
0: reminds me of um I saw I saw Ken Dodd live many times, and and he always used to come on, and he used to have the puppets, and he used to start with the puppets, <laughs> and, not, and not get laughs, and he used to look at the audience and go, ladies and gentlemen, this is for the kids.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> he was just a mouse <laughs> um, There
1: we go. I'm just following the greats with my, with my joke for the kids.
0: All, all the kids were asleep because he was on stage too. <laughs> um, Anyway, before we go, and I have so much enjoyed chatting to you, it's been far too long since have seen
1: This has flown you. by, it's been uh, unreal. <laughs> it,
0: it really has, you know, it's been an absolute delight and I can't wait to see you again live. Um, is there anything else you'd like to say? Uh, have you got any live or online gigs coming up? Do you have any podcasts where can folk find you on social media, anything like that?
1: Do I well unbelievably, Vix is letting me perform live again in July in Cardiff because she's running her um, she's got a show that she's gonna take to Edinburgh called I Feel Pretty, yeah. but then the R is things so it's I feel petty. I'm gonna say um, that. Yeah. yeah, so I'm going to be doing a, like a 10 minute for her, just to, I think for me, I need to learn whether or not I still want to do the live stuff, because Twitch has almost entirely taken over, and I love it so much, so I am Jenna Master on Twitch, yeah. we are recording a podcast called No Straight Answers, which is currently on all the sort of podcasting places, and what have you, but we record them live on Twitch as well, um, uh, it's podcast is like it's really like re my life because i'm talking to lgbt plus people yeah. we make some jokes we mess around we talk about stuff that they feel like and i feel like i've learned something yeah, from yeah, every yeah. single one it's been beautiful and really like life-affirming but basically if you go to dot everything that i am is on there well because it was easier
0: <laughs> wonderful wonderful thank you so much for your time today I've thoroughly enjoyed chatting to. you. I really have and I can't I miss believe- your laugh, Rich. You <laughs> <laughs> miss it. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing you again <laughs> very very soon live. Very soon live. Very soon. Let's hope for all good. Thank soon. thank you so so much and all the very best to you. Thank you. Thank you.